Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. We're back. We're back. We're back with a vengeance. Yes, we are here on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. Time to get some more of those hounds out for this week in college football and the NFL. I am your modest host. He is senior handicapper and writer for VegasInsider.com. The man with the numbers, the facts, and the figures to back all of it up. Kevin Rogers is with me. Uh, October continues. I don't know. You're in South Florida. I don't know if it's so much Brocktober anymore after they lost the game and came back down to earth against the Lions last week. But it is maybe Locktober for Three Dog Thursday purposes. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, and it seems like the rest of the way it's going to be Brocktober, Brockvember, and Brockmember uh, for the Miami Dolphins. That he's probably going to be the quarterback the rest of the way. But yeah, things uh, you know had a good weekend, and you know uh, at least I had the the uh what's the name of the tennessee was the volunteer state sorry i can't believe i blanked on that it is the, the volunteer, volunteer state, state the titans the titans were able to get the uh the win for you and i in the nfl last week as part of three dog thursday the the vols would like to blank out what happened to them against alabama which we'll talk more about in a second but you and you and i actually had a good week again last week i came up with the marshall thundering herd thank you covering easily and winning the game outright with florida atlantic i tried to tell you that marshall at home this is not the 2017 Florida Atlantic team. They don't have a they don't have a defense. They're not as good uh, with their offensive line. And and Marshall handled them last week. And you had speaking of the Volunteer State, the Vanderbilt Commodores as well. Kevin Rogers. Yeah. So what I was going to say, I totally botched it up that I had the uh, the Volunteer State duo with the Titans and with Vandy. And I know that uh, that we received a tweet about you know. <laughs> <laughs> about Vandy, how can you take Vandy? They're playing Kentucky all, and you know they should have beat Kentucky. They lost, but they covered. And I'm thinking, well, this is exactly why, because everyone's down on them, and Kentucky has had a good year. So I went with the team that people were down on, and they were right there the whole game. So Vandy ended up with the cover, and the Titans. Uh, I, you know, what's so funny is that that London game, that early morning game, that a lot of people watched, and it was a good finish. I thought Marcus Mariota got in the first time. I thought that it was too close to reverse when he had that great stretch over. Right, the right, on the plane. touchdown, potential tying touchdown. Yeah, right. and then you had the uh, – then they reversed it, and they said it was down at the one, and luckily they scored. And, I mean, if you had them plus six and a half, overtime really didn't matter. So that's why it's like even going for the two, it wasn't like because they went for the two – that if they would have kicked the extra point, you would have lost it. We, we were fine. Once he had the touchdown, we were fine to win. But, you know, people talk about Mike, they talk about Mike Vrabel going for the two, and I saw so many different opinions on Twitter. Why would he do that? You don't have the offense. And some people said, you know, just win it there. And it's a hard one because, you know what, you can have a great offense and not score the two, 
you could have a terrible offense and Marcus Mariota run right up the middle, shotgun, no one's going to stop him, and you win the game. Like, well, that's it, the thing. To your point, you know, wasn't so much the decision to go for two, it was the play call, and they, they've, they've got an offensive coordinator that's a first-year guy, first-year head coach Matt Vrabel, first-year offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur, and he is under fire right now. And I know they've gone to their bye week, but he, he is really struggling with the play calls and putting Mariota almost in handcuffs again. And this is what got Mike Malarkey fired in Tennessee while we digress and talk Titans for a second on Three Dog Thursday. But that, I mean, you're calling the dangerous slant uh, in the end zone where a guy can deflect it, a safety can deflect it, a linebacker can deflect it. He had thrown a red zone interception earlier in the game. H- how and why is Marcus Mariota not rolling out on that play and using his wheels? He's so athletic. On the attempt to win the game, I want number eight trying to scramble and run it in on a broken play, Kevin Rogers. Agreed? Yeah, and also, well, his receivers didn't help him out. There were a couple key drops that didn't help. And uh, look, you know, the Charger, one of the one of my reasons for taking the Titans last week, the Chargers the week before against Cleveland, I thought was a great look, but now it's like everyone's so high in the Chargers, and they're a really good team. They played well since a slow start, but... You know, Tennessee was off a horrible loss the week before to Baltimore. They were going to play better, and they had their chances in that game, and that's all you can really ask for. And, you know, I I just saw Marcus Mariota at times just running, and no one can stop him. And it's like, why aren't you allowing him to do that? You know, the Giants on Monday night are having Eli Manning run quarterback (laughs) stakes. He can barely move. And the Titans, Marcus Mariota, they're not letting him run. So it doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. More on the NFL and some NFL underdog predictions coming up. I know at the risk of me breaking my arm, patting me and you on the back, we do need to make mention for anybody that's questioning what we're doing. And a lot of fans, look, a lot of fans are propping us up on social media. I see that all the time. Uh, fans are responding to the show via Radio Influence, or if you've subscribed, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're getting a lot of positive feedback because, Kevin, we're getting a lot of underdogs right. Last week, you had Vandy. I had Marshall for two of our underdogs. That was the seventh time, sir, in eight weeks that you and I have combined for at least two correct college underdogs against those numbers for the hounds for the doggies i think there for you and me on three of the past eight weeks we've given you at least three correct college underdogs so you might want to pay attention in the coming minutes here when we start making some more underdog predictions in the college game we haven't been as good in the nfl we pledge that we need to be better in the nfl you and i both had tennessee last week I had the Dallas Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. I also had the Seattle Seahawks back uh, three weeks ago in the game with the Rams. So I've been rolling a little bit with the NFL picks. NFL picks will be in our final segment coming up. But for right now, be paying attention to the college picks when they come here in a couple of moments. Hey, speaking of Alabama and Tennessee, just real quick. Uh, this is another game where they're up 21 to nothing before you can spell Tonga Vailoa. Uh, Kevin, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is one of the great starts, one of the most dominant, impressive starts of any team in in major college football in the last 25, maybe maybe 30 or 40 years. No one is coming close to beating them so far. In a very good SEC, they are toying with teams even in the SEC. That Tennessee team had beaten Auburn at Auburn, and the game was over in the first quarter. Yeah, you know, you go back through the years of Alabama, and it feels like who cares who the quarterback is? They have really good running backs. A lot of them, 
Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry won the Heisman. You know, a lot of them get drafted and go to the NFL, and everyone defensively feels like goes to the NFL. Quarterback, who really cares? And now, all of a sudden, you know, Tua is throwing for 200 yards in, in, a, in a half, actually in a quarter, right? Yeah. In the first quarter, yes. a few weeks ago, he threw for 210, and you're saying, my goodness, now all of a sudden, this team has got, you know, a passing attack, which it, it feels, and, and yes, I know they had, you know, Julio Jones and Amari Cooper and guys like that, you know, so they, they've had the weapons, but, you know, really, it was never the quarterback that led them. They just had the athletes on the outside, and now they have a quarterback, too. Yeah, it is very dangerous looking at this Alabama team and what they've done. And, and I know they haven't played LSU yet. They haven't played Auburn yet. And Auburn's been kind of up and down, too. But, uh, you know, for Alabama, they're probably in that top four. You know, I don't see who, who's going to knock them off moving forward. But, yeah, it is definitely very scary because even last year, should have lost to Georgia. You know, they were down in that game, and that was done. They should have lost that game. So I don't really know who's going to be a major threat to knock them off this year. Uh, you know, uh, are you saying that the names John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy and Jacob Coker do not strike fear in the hearts of college football fans uh, throughout the lore of Alabama, of Alabama's run to all these titles? Uh, I think that's exactly what we're saying. But to, I mean, look, Tua is special uh, in terms of the accuracy, in particular. I mean, you can question whether he's big enough to play in the NFL and that guy. But man, oh man, the guy has got a rocket arm, accurate, uh, incredible. Uh, to only have a few games. I mean, these are the first games he started. Remember, he didn't start a game a year ago. He came in in relief in that championship game with Georgia. And he looks like he's been playing for three college seasons with the way that he's rolling. So uh, in any event, they are they are devastating. I, I do know that before we come back on Three Dog Thursday next week, they're going to have the first college football playoff rankings. And look, we believe that Alabama is Alabama's going to be in the college football playoff. They can even suffer a loss like they did last year. So Alabama is basically a lock here. If you have the Kevin Rogers uh, college playoff uh, four for next Tuesday, with the understanding somebody could lose this weekend, but for right now, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Kevin, who would your four be in the rankings, the three besides Alabama? Who would you have? I put in Clemson, and the problem is my other two, because of conference championships, I'm saying the conference, and okay, Big 12, whoever was the Big 12, I think, they end up getting one of the spots, and whoever was the Big 10, and understandably, Ohio State lost to Purdue. So you could say, oh, well, what about Michigan? Well, what if Ohio State beats Michigan at the end of the season that Ohio State wins the Big Ten? They could, I mean, we've seen crazy things in this Final Four where, you know, Alabama lost last year to Auburn, didn't play in the SEC championship, and still made the Final Four. We've seen teams that have won their conference championship and not get in. So you don't really know, you know, which way they're thinking. So that's where I'm going with Clemson, obviously Alabama. And then whoever wins the Big Ten and whoever wins the Big Twelve, because the Pac twelve, I don't think it's anybody in. Are you leaving and, Notre Dame out even if they run the table? You think Notre Dame gets left? I don't think there's no if Notre Dame is undefeated, ESPN and the CFP committee and all that, they're human beings. They're gonna put Notre Dame in the four if they're undefeated, aren't they? At the end? Yes. 
Yes, they are. I'm just saying that I think they lose somewhere down the line. That's and they, and they have to, and they have a couple of tougher games coming up. That's true. But for and every year that Notre Dame seems to tease you with like, don't they? For the last ten years, for the last five six years, whatever it is for Brian Kelly, they tease you. Uh, the one year they got all the way to the end, guess who they ran into in the BCS championship game in the Orange Bowl uh, down in your neck of the woods? I was there for that game. Alabama dump truck them, destroyed them in that game. But every every year they seem like they get to October and they've won five, six, seven in a row, and then they get derailed. Somebody upsets them. Somebody knocks them off. We'll see what happens with Notre Dame. What about UCF? We're going to talk more with one of our guests in a little bit. Uh, Wayne Curtis with Smack Apparel. They've got the great shirt, the US, the UCF uh, Bite Me ESPN and Kirk Herbstreet after what happened last week with Herbstreet taking off on their strength of schedule. Uh, UCF is not going to be in the in the uh, top four when the rankings are revealed next Tuesday night. Kevin, first, I mean, where do you think they might land? Might they be eighth? I mean, they're tenth or ninth, depending on the poll right now that you look at. Are they going to be around eighth or ninth, or might they be lower by that by that human selection committee, the CFP committee? What do you think about the Knights? I'm not sure where exactly they're going to land, and you saw how they got disrespected last year. Here's my thing with UCF, that they keep winning. I think they're in a very difficult situation, that the scheduling, when you see these schedules get released eight, ten years ahead of time, and, you know, you see, you know, maybe on social media, oh, so-and-so is playing so-and-so in 2024. Okay, that's great, but what happens if in 2023 that team is terrible? <laughs> you know, or, I mean, that's the problem. Right. I think, you know, think about, I was using this example, TJ, that Michigan State a few years ago, when they went to the Final Four and lost to Alabama, the next year they were horrible. What if you scheduled them that year and they turned out to be bad? Is that your fault that you have Michigan State in the schedule and the one year they're bad? And then I I go the opposite. Should Wisconsin be propped up because they played FAU last year and FAU won Conference USA? Like, that was supposed to be a throwaway game. And it turned out they were good. And, you know, so... I think it's just so hard to project that when you have basically, what, three three or four slots the whole season to fill when the rest is all – this isn't college basketball. You know, you, you have, like, no slots at all. You're going to play one or two bums at a conference just because – and then you have maybe two other shots. Well, you know, UCF isn't going to play Alabama. They're not going to play Texas. They're not going to play Ohio State. It's not going to happen. Well, here are the two points to make on that. You make a very good point. The first one is they realize UCF or Boise State for all of those years. Or, uh, you know, pick one when TCU was not in the Big 12 and they were up and coming. Remember the one year they finished undefeated and they beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl uh, for that one year. When you're talking about these teams that are outside of the Power Five conferences, they're never going to get the Power Five upper echelon to come play them at home. It's more than likely a one-off to go play them at their place. Now, the mid-level Power Five teams, like in this year's case for UCF, they played Pitt at home. They got them to play Pitt at at, at uh, Orlando because they're going to go back and play them at Pittsburgh. They were scheduled to go play North Carolina in the ACC at North Carolina. So they put two good ACC teams on their schedule, but the North Carolina game gets wiped out. I, I say good, but, but year in and year out, those are usually pretty good teams, mid-level teams. They put them on their schedule. One of them gets washed away by the hurricane, but they're not they're not ever going to be able to get four power five teams to play them uh, every year. And the other part of that is, you know, uh, and I know and they know and everybody knows if UCF loses a game that does them in. 
So if you're Josh Heupel, their coach, if you're Danny White, their athletic director, if you're their administration, their boosters, and you know that a loss is going to do you in, why do you want to play three bulldozer games, three tough games in September where any one of them is going to basically eliminate you? Play one or two of them, but why play three of them? Why have four of them? You, you buy me on that point? Boise State used to have the same mentality. Why, why should we have to go play four tough games out of the conference when nobody else is playing four tough games out of the conference? Well, but also on the flip side, too, you know, even you bring up Boise State, you know, what is, I'm just bringing up West Coast teams like USC or Oregon or, you know, and Oregon played Boise a few times. Like, what do those teams have to accomplish by playing them? Like, right. why would you want to play somebody you could lose to? You know, you want to play teams. You give them their money, you beat them, and you move on. Like, why would you want to play teams when you have tough games ahead of you in conference? Like, they're just, it doesn't make any sense to them. And, and that's where UCF gets the short end of the stick because nobody wants to play them. On the flip side, they don't want to play anybody that's like really, really tough. But I'm sure they're making the phone calls. But it goes back to you want us to be undefeated. We're undefeated. We did our job. It's not good enough, but then we play good teams. We're nine and three, and then we're relegated to some BS bowl. But we did what you wanted us to do. We can't beat all these teams, so it's just hard. It, they just have to hope that they go undefeated, and that three other teams, except for Alabama, that there's the, the three other slots that there's no undefeated teams, and maybe they can slip in. That's the only way that can happen. We'll see what happens with the Knights with Mackenzie Milton, uh, who did not play last week because of injury. They have an off week this week, and again, more on that later on when we talk to Wayne Curtis of Smack Apparel and a great offer for our listeners here on Three Dog Thursday with the promo code Three Dog to get ten percent off the UCF shirt. He's going to be talking about. Uh, from uh, Three Dog Thursday and SmackApparel.com. Check that shirt out. All right, so people are probably screaming at their uh, their handheld device, at their phone, at their iPad. Where are the picks? Where are the picks? College football first, NFL later on Three Dog Thursday. Kevin Rogers is going to go first with an underdog. Hit me, sir. All right, last week I went with the Vanderbilt Commodores. This week I'm going to go with their best friends down the road, the Tennessee Volunteers. Ah. And, yep. They're going to South Carolina to face the Gamecocks, and I look at Tennessee, and they, they have played a brutal schedule. They've played West Virginia. They've played Alabama. They've played Georgia. They've played Florida. I mean, like, it's just brutal schedules. They have no – doesn't matter who their coaches. they got no shot to win those games. And they have two wins against, you know – or I mean, I know they won at Auburn. Also, throw that one in. And they have two wins against bum teams. But now they're going to South Carolina, and South Carolina's been so up and down so far this season. They got blown out at home by Georgia. They had that win over Missouri in that rainstorm, and they beat Vanderbilt. But just South Carolina has not gotten any uh, – I think they got no momentum. They just lost to Texas A&M a few weeks ago. I don't know. I think people will look at this and say, well, Tennessee just got blown out by Auburn, so South Carolina's laying seven and a half to them. They have to blow out Tennessee. I, I just think at Tennessee – is doing the best they can with what is what they've dealt with so far this season. I think the win at uh, Auburn definitely was a confidence boost a few weeks ago. South Carolina is too inconsistent for me. I can't lay the points with them. I'm taking Tennessee. Well, and the Volunteers are playing some young players, and I know that Jeremy Pruitt, the former disciple of Nick Saban, uh, was very critical of his team not rising to the occasion against Alabama at home last week. As we've already said, they were behind 21 nothing before you could spell Volunteers. That quickly in Neyland Stadium, the air went out of the balloon. 
Now that this is a perfect situation where everybody, like you said, counts them out. They go to South Carolina, has got Jake Bentley as the quarterback, but they're just kind of okay, must champs team. Let's see if the Vols can get that one. All right, uh, I, I'm going to do it. You know, you know what I'm going to do. Uh, you, you were talking Clemson and college football playoff. I am going to go against the Clemson Tigers and go with Florida State uh, here on Three Dog Thursday. The Knolls getting 17 points. Uh, off the win last week over Wake Forest. Let me say a couple of things, first of all, here on Three Dog Thursday. I have been around so many Florida State fans that can't make up their mind if they're ready to go and shoot uh, You know, Willie Taggart and everybody at Florida State, the offensive line, the offensive line coach, uh, You know, go, go, put, go put Chief Osceola in handcuffs. Uh, you know, they, they are upset about everything at Florida State until they start winning a couple of games. And they win the Louisville game dramatically. They, they come from behind and win this game. You know, and, now, and now suddenly they're talking about, well, you know, the Knowles are improved. It's much better. And I'm going, it's the same coaching staff. It's the same players. Kevin, they're still sending Chief Osceola out there before a home game to slam the spear down with Renegade the horse. They're doing the same stuff. It's the same guys. And I like the Knowles getting 17 here with, uh, with Clemson in this instance uh, just because they're at home. I believe they'll be jacked up. I've gone against Florida State. I've taken Florida State. I went against Florida State in the opener with Wake Forest. I went against Florida State again on Three Dog Thursday against Syracuse. I also went with Florida State in the Miami game. Kevin, that would imply since I've won three times in games involving Florida State, I might know how they're going to play. Might that be an implication that I might know how they're going to play? Maybe. Yes. Possibly. Yes, absolutely. Although you're saying to me, you have no idea what to expect from Florida State, right? Uh, they could be great this I week. They could know. be terrible. I don't know. I mean, you know what they? I mean, think about this. They should have lost the Louisville game. Louisville uh, gift wrapped right. that game to them. They were up twenty in Miami on the road. They blew it. Wake, they were down and they came back and won that game. But Wake stinks. Louisville, they didn't beat any good teams in the ACC. So. You don't know what I'm, to think. I'm just not ready to commit to them. All right, so here's what I'm looking at with Clemson, though. Clemson, a double-digit road favorite. And you know what I what you love when I do my research, and I have my paper here, and I have my research. I've been doing my original research. Uh, here's the deal. Clemson, a double-digit favorite in this game. They have been a double-digit favorite on the road already three times this year. They have won twice uh, and covered twice with a double-digit favorite. They did not cover against Texas A&M all the way back at the beginning of the year. Uh, in that matchup in College Station. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't you have, I believe you did have Texas A&M that night in the uh, the matchup with Clemson and cashed in on Three Dog Thursday. So this year they are 2-1. and You go back to last year, they were 1-1, and including the outright loss to Syracuse as a double-digit favorite at the Carrier Dome. 2016, they were 2-1 and as a double-digit road favorite. They did not cover the game at Wake. In 2015, Davo Swinney's team, one and two as a double-digit road favorite, did not cover at South Carolina, did not cover against Syracuse again in that year. So you total all this up, including this season, over the course of the last three and a half years, Clemson is only six and five as a double-digit road favorite. I will take those points and take those odds. I essentially have a 50-50 chance here. Florida State jacked up at home. They can't turn the ball over. If there are mistakes early from Florida State, they'll get beat by 50 points in this game. I don't know that Florida State wins this game, but I think it will be close. I will not be surprised if Florida State is leading in the second half of this game. Give me 17 points. Give me FSU 
Seminoles. All right, Kevin, another underdog from college football for you here on Three Dog Thursday, sir? I'm going to go to everyone's favorite conference, the American Athletic Conference. Yes, the AAC is back on the show, yes. The Battle of the Tolls this week, Tulane and Tulsa. (laughs) So, I know, the game stinks, I know. But Tulsa's laying points. They're 2-15 in the last 17 games. I mean, there's not a good team. And, And look, they hung with Houston. They hung with Temple. They hung with USF. They That's should have great. beat. Now hey, like, can I interject? They should have beat USF. They're up 14 points in the second half on USF. Had them. Had them and couldn't do well, it. Well, they should have beat Houston also on the road. And they gave two defensive touchdowns to Temple. So they hung in those games. But now they're laying points to Tulane, who beat Memphis earlier in the year. And I get that Tulane isn't a great team, but they run the ball. At least, I mean, they run the ball well when it's going, that triple option. Uh, you know, also I think with Tulsa too, in this two and fifteen stretch, they only have seven covers. Six of them is double digit dog. So they don't cover in these games. If I'm if they're getting like, you know, fifteen points, twenty points, fine, they're a look, but I'm not taking them as a short favorite. That's the end of the analysis. I'm taking Tulane. And Tulane, of course, uh busted up my Memphis Tigers back about three weeks ago on a Friday night. Uh very interesting in the AAC where UCF is undefeated. USF is undefeated. Speaking of Houston playing at Houston this weekend. Look, I live in Tampa. I'm in the West Central Florida area. You're in South Florida down in the Miami area. Uh, There are fans in and around here that are already that are already skeptical and and wonder if USF is not going to lose three or four times here at the end of the season. Houston is one of the best teams they played the last four, the last five opponents, actually, for USF, all losing records. And and let's see if Houston, as a seven and a half point favorite, doesn't take it to them uh, in this game. But USF is one of the remaining unbeatens, along with UCF in the American Conference. USF uh, at 7-0 and playing at Houston. We'll see what happens in that game, but you'll go with the Tulane Green Wave against Tulsa as a road underdog. All right, I'm going to take one more college underdog as we continue on Three Dog Thursday. we got special guests coming up in our middle segment. Kevin is back with me in the final segment to talk NFL underdogs. I like the Saturday night primetime Big 12 showdown. You were talking Big 12 earlier. Texas right now in the driver's seat off the Oklahoma win, comes off the bye week, Gets ready to play against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. National TV, uh, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Maria Taylor and company will be there for the big showdown in Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium. And I like the Oklahoma State Cowboys here getting three points. Texas as the road favorite. Kevin Rogers, do you know how good Mike Gundy has been as a home underdog as of late? Any idea? No. How good has he been? Very good. You've, you've done this enough with me. In fact, Mike Gundy is 3-1 and one in the last three matchups uh, with Big 12 teams. All of them were Big 12 teams where his team has been the home underdog. A win a year ago. Actually, they were not a home underdog a year ago. A win two years ago against top 10 West Virginia at home when they were an underdog. A win three seasons ago against TCU, who was number five in the country. They beat them outright as a home underdog. They have another win as well in that 25 15 season they have one loss to Oklahoma they were the favorite in the Oklahoma Bedlam game or they were the underdog I'm sorry in the Oklahoma Bedlam game and Oklahoma beat them three and one is the record as a home dog uh, for uh, Gundy and Oklahoma State over the course of the last three plus seasons 
Doesn't happen that often. I will take the points here. He's beaten Texas the last two years with Tom Herman as the coach. So he's 2-0 against Herman. They come off the bye week to the Cowboys. Give me Oklahoma State plus the three points against the Texas Longhorns on Saturday night in Big 12 action. So there we go with lots of college football talk and some underdogs. Kevin, stand by. More on the way. We're going to talk some fantasy football injuries in a moment. Uh, if you're a fantasy sports player, daily fantasy or year-long fantasy, Dr. Seelan Parekh is coming up straight ahead from the fantasy doctors. More on the UCF controversy and how much they're being slighted. Wayne Curtis from Smack Apparel a bit later. Kevin is back to pick some pro underdogs in a bit. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Three Dog Thursday continues. Well, if you are trying to diagnose what is wrong with that fantasy football player that I own, I'm here to serve. I aim to please on Three Dog Thursday. Plus, hey, look, if you're looking at a team as an, un- as an underdog possible team and you got to know, okay, well, wait a minute, can this guy play or not? We're giving you a little early read for the week and the weekend of NFL football. So we welcome you back in here on Three Dog Thursday. And let's bring in from the Fantasy Doctors. Good to catch up. With an orthopedic surgeon, love uh, the insight of Dr. Seelan Parekh, who is back with me here as part of this podcast. Good to talk to you again as it uh, gets a little cooler weather in most of the country. The leaves start to turn in some places. The football starts to get better, but there are always injuries, and we got to know more, right, Doc? Good to have you. Yeah, yeah good to be back. Uh, yeah, this is the time of year where the injuries uh, continue to pick up and uh, it keeps us busy here at the Fantasy Doctors. No doubt about that. Uh, by the way, free plug that you can go to the fan. We'll say this a couple times. You go to the Fantasy Doctors uh, website. You can also go to at the Fantasy DRS for the Fantasy Doctors on Twitter for constant updates on your players, whether they're going to be active, how long are they going to be out, especially if you play daily fantasy uh, now with the, uh, the basketball season underway and the hockey season underway and the World Series games that are going on at the time that we're talking in addition to the football they've got it all there for you so there's a plug on that Um, All right, so here's an interesting one and we're going to date this a little bit if you're listening later in the weekend we're talking about the Thursday night game between the Dolphins and the Texans for a moment I'll hone in on Dolphins receiver Albert Wilson who suffered a hip injury, as you know, Dr. Parekh, in the Sunday game with the Lions. There was a fear that he was going to have to have surgery on the labrum of the hip. It looks like he's not going to have to have surgery here in the short term. So the question would be, if you're a fantasy owner that has Albert Wilson, who scored some big points, is he worth hanging on to that he in a season-long league that he might be able to come back and play without surgery? What's the educated guess with what we know about that situation? So the quick answer is no, do not trust him. The labrum of the hip or the shoulder are very finicky injuries, and very often these require surgery. So you go down the path of thinking no surgery, you rehab, and you get going, and then the athlete starts training, and the athlete starts having more pain, and boom, they end up in the operating room. So um, I don't trust this labrum, uh, and and so I would not keep him if I'm a well. DFS, you're not going to keep him, but if you're in a season long, you certainly won't. I wouldn't keep him either. And he's been the most explosive player for the Dolphins, and so the thought would be, well, if they are in the playoff hunt in December, which they might be, they might not be, who knows, it might be worthwhile, but the educated guess here is he's not going to be able to help them, and he's going to stay on injured reserve where they've already put him. Uh, You know, another fascinating case, again, in the Thursday night game, you're going to know how this went or didn't go 
go if you're listening on Friday or as the weekend goes on. But Deshaun Watson at quarterback for the Texans. What did you make of the story that he's got the bruised ribs? He's got apparently a bruised lung, maybe even a cracked rib. They're not being specific in Houston about what it is. But he didn't fly with the team to Jacksonville. He rode on a bus, on a team, on a team uh, chartered bus to Jacksonville, drove back on Sunday night into Monday morning to Houston from Jacksonville on the bus. They're playing right. this home game with the Dolphins. What do you make of hearing that uh, for, for, Deshaun, uh, for Deshaun Watson's uh, uh, situation there with the bruised lung and all of that? That's, it's, de- it's definitely unusual to hear that come out about his travel. Yeah, so absolutely. But it gives us insight into what's going on. And I think this dates back to his game with the Cowboys where he really took a pounding, and that's where he started – watching the trainers, uh, listen to his lungs. And I think at that point is where he probably had a bruised lung, if not a small puncture in the lung. Now, this is why they are worried about having him fly. If you have a small puncture in the lung and you're going through the altitude changes as you do in flying, you can pop that lung. Mm. And now that can become an emergency. So you keep him on the ground, you keep him in buses, you travel him all over you need to in a bus. But this, to me, tells me that there is a real concern about a punctured lung, probably a small one, which is why he continues to play. But it's a real concern, which is why they've got him traveling this way. And I always use this. Sure. I always use this disclaimer with you because you've not examined him, but we're making the educated guess. Is that something that heals in a week or two? Uh, I mean, what's the timeline on how a small puncture of the lung can heal? And there's a reason I'm asking you that. What's the usual timeline? About four weeks is the usual timeline. And so you have to be cautious and not uh, expose the athlete to any uh, major circumstances where that that tiny hole, if it's there, it's much much larger. And what's interesting is after they play this Thursday night game, and again, you're going to know more if you're listening to, I keep keep qualifying this, Doc, you're going to know more if you're listening to us after Thursday on how Deshaun Watson did in the game with the the Dolphins or not was he more seriously hurt or not did he play great or not so let's let's say you know he plays well they win whatever the next game is about 10 days later in Denver where again if this same situation is going on he's going to have another lengthy ride to get to Denver and then uh, they have another game coming after that after their bye week against the Redskins you would hope by then it would be healed well enough that he could fly at that point on in the weekend of November 17th and 18th and not have to take a bus from Houston, Texas to Washington, right. D.C., Doc. <laughs> That's a long ride. Yes. No, so I actually am not concerned about the, uh, the, the Washington game. I think it's far enough along at that point that the Washington game is not so much of a concern. But the Denver game is interesting to me because, yes, it's 10 more days from now, so he, or from Thursday, and so he gets a longer period of rest. That's great. But if the physicians are still concerned about that small hole that he may have in the lung and he's playing in lower altitude in Denver, now how does that play in his performance? And and it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. Again, my guess, my hunch is that this is a small enough hole that they're not going to be worried about it in Denver, but it's a 
interesting thing to think about. Yeah, and you factor in, as you mentioned, playing at higher altitude at mile high, that, you know, it's tougher to breathe as it is there. So just something to watch in that instance. All right, the New England Patriots, they were winners last week over the Bears, but it came at a cost with Sony Michelle, the rookie running back from Georgia, going down. The initial fear was possible torn ACL, bye-bye, rest of the season, going on injured reserve. It doesn't look like that's what it is. Again, you're probably going to be uh, better to get information from the Chinese communist government than you are from the Patriots on injuries, <laughs> but it doesn't look like an ACL and surgery. So what do we think here, Dr. Parekh? Again, if you own Sony Michelle for season-long leagues, what are you thinking now? So I think you hold on to Sony Michelle. I When you look at the video and you see the, uh, the grimace in his face and he screamed, that was what you worried about, the ACL. The fact that the MRI came back clean and it was really more of what they're calling a knee sprain. But again, remember, it's coming out of Patriots camp, so I don't always put full weight into what we hear from them. Um, that's a good sign. My bigger concern is did he have an increase in the tear of his meniscus, which is what held him back early on in the season. And, and my suspicion is that he probably would have, uh, but it might be still small enough that they're going to try to treat him without surgery and see how he does in the next few weeks. But my guess is he's out for about two weeks. All right, let's stay with the same team. Again, Dr. Seelan Parekh is with us. The fantasy doctor's giving us some insight uh, here on these different players and uh, their status for fantasy football purposes. Again, uh, in the Texans' case for Three Dog Thursday purposes, we are going to be talking NFL coming up. They're favored by 7.5 this week over the Dolphins. Uh, Will Kevin or I, either one, take the Dolphins in this instance? New England is playing at Buffalo on Monday night. There's also concern for Rob Gronkowski, who missed last week's game with his back injury. That's the second game that he's missed this year. He's had the back problems. Remember, he had to shut down the season a couple of years ago because of the back problems. Again, if I'm a fantasy owner and I have Gronkowski, how concerned am I Am I with this long-term here for the rest of the season? So I, I think the concern is actually pretty high for Gronkowski. The back um, is, is an area of the body that just take, gets beaten up. And for football players, you get arthritis, you can have disc issues, you can have spasming. So there are a lot of issues that can go on here. Given his history in the past of missing an entire season with the back, I, I, my level of concern is very, very high. And the fact that he's already missed two games it, it increases my level of concern. So for season-long uh, owners, I would say you bench him and you keep him there for a while until he shows you that he's healthier but don't have a high expectation from him once he comes back. All right, again, New England is a two-touchdown favorite in Buffalo, and Buffalo just anemic on offense. Five points again last week in the game. Um, You know, we were talking about the knee sprain with Sony Michelle, and it looks like there's an update here. Green Bay playing the Rams at the Coliseum. A lot of the country will see that game uh, coming on on Fox for Sunday. Um, And Aaron Rodgers has battled through a knee sprain with the knee brace, and the reports are now that he may be ditching the knee brace. What's the significance? I mean, it's the obvious the knee must be better right but what's the what's the significance for the healing so uh, you know in terms of a time of healing he's now about seven to eight weeks into this healing from his mcl strain that he suffered week one the bone bruise is likely healed enough at this point that you can ditch the brace and all that's great for aaron roger fans and owners because that means aaron Rodgers is even more mobile than he's been in the last few weeks uh, and even still, he's been playing at a very, very high level. So uh, this is going to be a very exciting game, I think, with the Rams. And I think uh, from Rodgers' knee perspective, I have no worry at this point. 
Uh, and very interesting for three dog Thursday purposes. We love picking the underdogs. The Rams, a 10 point favorite, nine and a half or 10 points over Green Bay at home. I know they're undefeated. That one may be very attractive in our final segment here on three dog Thursday for somebody to dive uh, into that one. All right. I want to talk hamstrings again here with Dr. Parekh. Again, the fantasy doctors at the fantasy DRS on Twitter. He's going to tell you more about their podcast and about their YouTube page, giving you great real time fantasy information, including on the weekend while the games are going on hamstring epidemic right now especially among running backs Leonard Fournette the Jaguars playing against the Eagles in the early game in London on Sunday Fournette has now missed five of the last six Jaguar games he's all but out for this game that would be six of seven that he's missed with the hamstring if they're resting him for this week and through the bye What's the realistic chance, again, that Fournette can be effective now with all that rest? Off the bye, Doc, he will have rested for a month this go-around on the hamstring. What's the, what are the chances at effectiveness for late in the year? Yeah, I mean, I think that the reality is Fournette's injury week one, I believe it was, was much more serious than anybody anticipated. He rushed it, re-injured it, and now you're seeing the consequence. Um, we we think, and I say we, meaning the fantasy doctors, we believe that probably week 10 is when you're going to see Fournette. So obviously after the bye, and I think he should be pretty good. Now I say that with hesitation because Fournette last year showed us that he is uh, a guy who re-injures areas over and over again. Last year was the ankle, this right. was the hamstring. And so I worry about him uh, even when he comes back, even after having four weeks of rest. Well, and uh, again, they've traded for Carlos Hyde. They have TJ Yeldon, who's just okay. They've traded for Carlos Hyde. So you wonder if they, they aren't being overly cautious. Just in general terms, again, same disclaimer. You haven't examined Fournette with the hamstring. Uh, but, but when you're talking about a re-injury, when it's, when it's re-injured, what is happening in there? And, and then the, the course of action is just basically rest, right? Because you can't, you can't treat it the same way as an ankle injury like what you referenced. But what... What happens in a re-injury to the hamstring that they're having to wait this out for this long? Yeah, so, you know, so people just need to understand, first of all, when we say hamstring injuries and strains, a strain is basically a partial tear of the hamstring. It's not serious enough that we call it a tear, but it's a partial strain. It's a strain or a partial tearing of the hamstring. When you re-injure that, you tear it even more. And so it just needs more time to heal. There's more bleeding involved. There's more scarring involved. You get tighter. You lose flexibility. So in the last four weeks or or in the upcoming remaining two weeks left, hit that four-week mark for him, he's going to have the therapist working on him. He's going to have ultrasound. He may have PRP injections. All of this is to encourage healing and decreasing the the, uh, long-term consequence of scarring. Well, and the other thing, I've heard players talk about this that have had them. You can treat almost any one of these injuries with some kind of injection painkiller and try to play. You ju- you can't play with a pulled or partially torn hamstring. There is no way to medicate that and help that um, with planting all your weight on the leg, not like what you can do maybe with an ankle or if you're having to play with a, with a shoulder problem and a harness and a shot. You just you can't play with this. The only prescription no, that works is rest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Rest and therapy, but the therapy doesn't help you in the game. So you're exactly right. There's no you know uh, quick magic bullet here to get you through a game on this. And the, and the bigger issue is you know with these running backs who are bigger and stronger and quicker, um, they over the time of the game they get dehydrated. 
yep. during the recovery, they are deconditioned a little bit, and all of this sets you up to re-injure again. So it becomes very, very um, challenging to get these running backs back on the field after a hamstring injury. All right, a few more moments here with Dr. Parekh. It is Three Dog Thursday. Dr. Parekh with the Fantasy Doctors. Dr. Parekh is a great orthopedic surgeon in the uh, Raleigh-Durham area in the Carolinas. Does great work, though, especially if you're a daily fantasy player, season-long fantasy player, you want to know about your guys' statuses. Uh, He and the Fantasy Doctors do a great job. Melvin Gordon is a player that's had a lot of success on the field. Here we go again, hamstring injury. Uh, did not play in the game in London, so that's one week. They have a bye week this week. What are you, let's phrase it this way, what are you looking for in terms of an update when the Chargers come off the bye that tells you how long Gordon should be out or if he can come back? What Are we looking for him to practice on a limited basis? And if he's not practicing, that's the clue. What are the clues we're looking for? Yeah, I think that... Uh... So I think it's a little bit of a different scenario with Gordon versus Fournette. Gordon, it sounds like it's a mild hamstring strain. They were playing in London, so it was a long ride to fly to London. And with the bye, it, I, and my my guess is that it just didn't make sense after he's been sitting for that long to have him play in London, fly all the way back, and then rest. It, it just made more sense to give him the two weeks and get him ready for the tail end of the of the season. And so what you're looking for after this week is that he's he's practicing even on a limited basis you want to hear that he's practicing and then as the week goes on you want to hear that he's he's full full participant in practice all right so we'll watch we'll pay attention with all these different injuries all these things going on dr perrect plug away where they can find out more for the fantasy advice on all sports but primarily right now nfl for daily fantasy and season-long players tell them about your podcast your youtube uh, channel all the things that you guys have with the fantasy doctor sir go ahead absolutely so we we cover all injuries from just like you said football to soccer to major baseball nhl you name it we cover it you can find us on our podcast the fantasy doctors either on itunes google play or any podcast outlet that you listen to you can check us, us out on our youtube channel which is the fantasy doctors and all our content lives there as well our video content including our podcast videos and then finally uh if you want up-to-date breaking news as it's coming out and get insight you can check us out on twitter handle at the fantasy drs yep the fantasy drs and he's dr Perrect, dr sealand Perrect. and and keep in mind i mean when these injuries are happening you guys are all over it when you get a report midweek about somebody being hurt you're doing your best to diagnose it off the reports and when the games are going on they've got the videos that are up on youtube so i'm plugging away here uh that they've got great real-time information on what to do with your guys and how long they're going to be out so check out the fantasy doctors okay i can't let you get out of here without talking to you about your dallas cowboys because you're a cowboy fan i always joke with you they make the trade for amari cooper this week thumbs up or thumbs down on getting him from the raiders for a number one pick what say you mr cowboy Boy fan, Dr. Parekh? Uh, I, you know, the verdict's out on this because I just don't think he's given much this season. I give it a, a quasi thumbs up because we have no number one receiver. We need a deep threat, so he provides that for the Cowboys. But um, how he mixes in with Dak and Zeke and, and how it really opens up the game remains to be seen. Uh, but I do think you have a known quantity since he's been playing for three years versus, you know, going to the draft boards and hoping you get something that hits. Yeah, and uh, and obviously he is still under contract, and you're right. I mean, the Cowboys need an upgrade at wide receivers, so let's see 
how Cooper uh, uh, performs in Dallas when they come off the bye week because they're not playing this weekend. And you even snuck in the Wii a couple of times. You, you know he's a Cowboy fan when you're sneaking in the Wii for Dr. Perek <laughs> with his Dallas Cowboys on that one. All right, one more time, at the Fantasy Doctors on Twitter, uh, as well as the podcast and iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and everywhere you hear the podcast and the YouTube channel as well with the Fantasy Doctors, if I got all the plugs correct. Uh, good luck well. Good luck to all the fantasy players, Ryan, and have them stay healthy as well. Have Hopefully all their players stay healthy and they don't need as much advice from the fantasy doctors, right? You got it. Dr. Perek, thank you. We appreciate your time as always. Perfect. Thanks, DJ. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Lots and lots of football being discussed in and around Three Dog Thursday. It has been a little while, but it is good to have Wayne Curtis of Smack Apparel back for a couple of different reasons here on Three Dog Thursday. First of all, young man, good to have you back on the show because I know you love picks, you love underdogs, so it's good to have you first of all. How you been? Everything good? Oh, good, good, good. It's, uh, you know, we're in the throes of college football and pro football, so. And the weather here in Florida is finally starting to cool a little bit, so it's all perfect. Yes, and you you should know that before I have brought you on, Wayne is a Seminole guy, and the Seminoles have kind of been up and down so far this year. I'm actually, for Three Dog Thursday purposes, backing the Florida State Seminoles here for this week, getting those 17 points with Clemson. Uh, Look, I I know the season got off to a rocky start, but they've put together a couple of wins. And Wayne, I believe they can hang in this week. I know it's mighty Clemson who's ruled the ACC for the last three years, but I think the Knowles may hang in there at Doak Campbell on Saturday, sir. Oh, I, I mean, 17 points is a, is a lot of points. Now, I do have to say, using the word rocky is uh, is pretty insulting to the word rocky. I don't think they started off that good. But uh, needless to say, they are getting it together a little bit. Um, you know, should have lost to, to Miami 35-34 because with that one play was uh, uh, called wrong on the double pass. Uh, you know, it was if they played – Half as good the second half, they would have won that game. So there is some bounce back. I mean, 17 points is a lot of points. Um, and Florida State you know, has the horses now. Can they all play together is the question. Sure. We'll see. Sure. And in, and in this case, they've played better. They were winning that Miami game by 20, playing with a lot of emotion in a rivalry game. And I know they fell behind 10 nothing to Wake last week, but they came storming back and, and had the lead. They are at home. Look, I know Clemson is supposed to win the game, and Clemson probably will win the game. I just think Florida State may be able to hang in. Don't be surprised if Florida State is winning this game in the first half. That's all I'm saying. And you've got you've got dangerous players with Francois quarterback and Akers and Patrick in the backfield. So let's see if it continues along those lines for the Seminoles. You know, one of the reasons that we have you on, we love the great college-themed shirts in particular, but really for all sports. World Series going on with the Dodgers and the Red Sox while we're talking NFL season in full swing. So great selection at SmackApparel.com. But you're touting another Florida team that is really the underdog overall right now to get into the college football playoff that's UCF and I know you want to talk about how ESPN the four-letter network was beating them up proverbially last week 
uh, figuratively last week, beating up UCF's chances to get into the playoff, and you've capitalized on this with a shirt with smack apparel, sir. Well, yeah, yeah. Of course, they're in uh, Pullman, which they've never been to college game day, and I, I admire the UCF fans that got all the way out there to get their team some exposure and were you had the the, the, the illuminating signs on Curb Street. They were really ruckus out there. And then, of course, uh, they started talking about college football playoff chances. And somebody asked, what about UCF? And, uh, you know, for the most part, it was uh, who I admire is Mr. Kirk Curb Street. And uh, Kirk went on to basically say they shouldn't even be considered, which, you know, <laughs> I mean, here's all we have to do is some simple math, and that is UCF greater than Auburn, greater than Alabama. So if you take the extension of the very, very last little bit of last year and, and put it into this year, you got to give UCF a little more love. I mean, I agree with Kirk on a little on some of it, but not in totality. I mean, Kirk was putting it out there basically like if there's if all these big teams have two losses, they still believe they should go ahead of UCF. Which is crazy. Wayne, that's crazy. I mean, if some of these guys have two losses, get behind UCF in the rankings because a year ago they were being played down, and this is your point, and they got the chance with Auburn and beat them head up, and it wasn't a fluke. They beat them decisively in that Peach Bowl. So a two-loss team in front of them, I didn't go to UCF. I don't work for them. But that that's absurd if it if it starts coming to that when these rankings are coming out. Yeah, you know the you know well college game day and ESPN. I mean, I don't think the other networks come close to what they do have done for college football. There, it's you know the guys in the and the gals in the playoff room listen to what they say, and I don't care if they say they wouldn't. ESPN influences what people are thinking. And for the most part, ESPN is, I agree with most of the stuff they say at the end of the year, who the four best are. But if you UCF is sitting there undefeated, you know, they play a USF, they play a Houston, they right. play a uh, uh, Cincinnati who did lose last week. Uh, you know, Temple just beat, uh, who the heck did Temple Temple did beat Cincinnati, right. Temple, who had been undefeated, right. There's some good, you know, if they're the undefeated, and, you know, there's Alabama, let's say, undefeated, and maybe, you know, another team undefeated, and then a one-loss team, and then a bunch of two-loss teams, and UCF hadn't lost the game in whatever. 22 games, how do you not... Yeah. Invite them. And again, I think the issue is that ESPN does have a lot of influence on pe- the way people think, and they're they're on the pulpit with their opinion, and their opinions are usually valid, but I just think you said. So, yeah, so the Senate says ESPN and Kirk Herbstreet can bite me. <laughs> and then, and then underneath, it does say, through the math, it has the letters UCF, little greater sign, Auburn, greater than Alabama. And I think that, you know, when I heard what was going on with Kirk Street and what he's been saying, I'm putting myself in the – I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm putting myself in the shoes of UCF, and I'm like, if I'm a UCF fan, I'm like screaming at the TV, this yep. is BS. How can you – I mean, you know, yeah, if everyone's got one loss and they want a conference the Big Ten, okay, I can see that. But what you basically are saying, you know, it's certainly painting that picture that – I mean, they were talking Fresno State, Appalachian State, 
ahead of UCF, and that's where I say, you know, just, you know, 10 months ago, they whacked the tar out of Auburn, who had just beaten Alabama. So, I don't know. So, I think the suit speaks to what the emotion of the fans are, and of course, that's what we do. You know, you can go buy a bunch of them, the official license shirt, and they'll just say UCF. We're the voice of the fan, and I think the voice of the fan of a UCF fan is like hell with ESPN and of course, our shirt in a fun way um, promotes that feeling. <laughs> no doubt. And again, the shirt is available at smackapparel.com. You can see it and uh, get the chance to get it. Also get it through Amazon as well. Uh, so you'll see this on their site. It is in the UCF colors, in the in the gold and the black for uh, for Bite Me Kirk, Herb Street, and ESPN. And this will be fascinating um, because they're going to have college game day in the state where we are. Uh, Kevin Rogers and I host this show every week coming out of the state of Florida. So wherever you're hearing us across the country, globally whatever college game day goes from pullman washington you know this wayne one side of the country all the way to jacksonville for the florida georgia game and the intel that i'm seeing and hearing from ucf fans and seeing on the internet and social media is they're going to try to ambush this thing on saturday and have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ucf fans show up at college game day to basically protest and the wild thing that you were pointing out to me before we began the conversation is UCF is actually going to play on ESPN's network next Thursday night. Not this Thursday for Three Dog Thursday, but next Thursday night they host Temple. That's an ESPN game. This could be a wild scene Saturday and next Thursday with kind of the anti-ESPN sentiment from the UCF fans. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, yeah, it kind of sets up pretty neat. I mean, uh, it gives them a stage to voice uh, their uh, their opinion. I can't wait to see uh, the signs. Hopefully, uh, the UCF fans are smart enough. You put something basic on the sign, and then when you get up in the crowd, you pull off the basic part and let, let the uh, <laughs> how the you real really sign. That's kind of a little, I'm coaching them up here because I know there's a little bit of a, a little editing that likes to go on. Uh, at a, I mean, come on. When Urban Meyer came back for his first game, those signs were pretty. Came and if you noticed as the game progressed at Penn State, uh, you know not the game, the game day show progressed at Penn State. Signs started popping up that probably like <laughs> Shelly Myers knew and <laughs> Urban Meyer with the Pinocchio nose. Those kids knew that they had to get him in there. So just be careful, UCF fans. Make sure you have a little bit of a, a camouflage to get your real signs in there and uh, have fun and. You know, hopefully we can uh, add to your passion with what we think is a really neat shirt. And I don't know, uh, TJ, if you mentioned, of course, we'll give them 10% off with um, the promo code. Yes. Um, uh, three dog in this case for three, three dog, dog Thursday. That's correct. Yeah. If they so use that the promo one, code, it's a three. Yep. The number three in the word dog, three dog, gets them 10% off. And just so we know too, we ship from Tampa. So if you're in the state of Florida, you'll get that pretty much the next day if you want it before three. Um, there's no shipping. We're not charging shipping. Through Amazon, we're not charging shipping. So it's a pretty good deal. And then 10% off. Hey, buy, buy, 
buy a couple beers with that. Yeah, I love I love this. So you, if you want it for this weekend for the college game day, but this story, Wayne, is not going to go away as we talk with Wayne Curtis from Smack Apparel here on Three Dog Thursday. It's not going to go away because UCF doesn't play this weekend. They're going to remain undefeated. They're heavily favored to beat Temple. And, and we know when those first college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night, they're not going to be in the top four, and they may not even be in the top eight. So this, this shirt is going to stay relevant for a while. So the, the, uh, the UCF collection, let's just say, that's available at smackapparel.com. Check it out. Uh, use the promo code 3DOG uh, and take 10% off. But this, this is going to be an ongoing story is, uh, is my point with that. And one more plug for you. You've got, again, World Series uh, shirts, Dodgers, Red Sox. You've got NFL shirts, all that merchandise. It's all there at SmackApparel.com. If you're a fan of pro sports, college football, they can get it all at SmackApparel.com, right? Yeah, and it's, again, it's, so it is, you know, just so we're clear, it's not licensed by the NFL. It's not licensed by college. But it is, we've been doing it for 20 years, so we've got it down pretty good. It it touches the fan. It's it's fun. I mean, we've got a Dodgers uh, fan shirt right now. It's, I want to play X-1988. We're doing it on Ladies V-neck, Ladies Long Sleeve. T-shirt, it's blowing up. Um, you know, so Florida State, we did a sucks to be you. That's been great for, for many years. So <laughs> damn, the, damn the man, I'm a fan. I'm a Florida fan. But we got really, really fun stuff. You know, we're still saying that uh, in Florida State cars and both cars, Jameson's famous Crab Shack Emporium. Well, and I know if I can interject, you also you also have the Urban Meyer, the Urban Liar shirts that you had in the Penn State white for the whiteout. And you also have them in Michigan maize and blue for the fans that want those for the upcoming game, because Urban has had a problem. You mentioned the Pinocchio knows he and the truth don't get along all the time. So that's Uh, another that's another shirt. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like the Oscar Mayer logo that says Urban Liar, and then underneath it says the new standard of Columbus. <laughs> Bam. So see them all at smackapparel.com. And right, you've got the infant wear, the rookie wear that they can get for the kids, for the little ones too, just uh, to get in the uh, opponent's grill, get under their skin, uh, talk in the talk with Smack Apparel. I love it. Uh, I love it with with all this. Did we cover all of it well enough? And do I have you believing as you leave me here in a minute that your Knowles can hang in with Clemson? Or have I I basically... I haven't been up this year. I'm going up, so uh, heck. Maybe straight up, but, uh, you know, that's wishful thinking. But, I mean, on paper, we've got the guy. As long as if Francois is not on his back, if he's sacked like once and maybe knocked out a few times, I think we can hang and who knows. And, again, you know, there's a lot of pressure. You know, when you're in number two, the pressure sneaks up. And if they choke a little bit, you never know. But they have a ferocious defensive line, and if our offensive line plays like we did at, at Syracuse, they're going to charge Florida State's offensive line with manslaughter because <laughs> manslaughter will unfortunately be uh, deceased or close to it. Honestly, that Syracuse game, if he was my son, I think I would have run down there and pulled him out. I mean, the poor kid was getting killed. Wow. I admire his – he's courageous beyond courageous. I mean, he's uh, – that line – you know, but the line has shored up some. So if they give him time, like you said, we got two running backs that I think will both definitely be in the NFL – 
you know, you never know. That's well, here's the game. thing. It's at Doe Campbell, as you mentioned, that you're going up to the game. I know some others that are going to the game as well. It'll be a jacked atmosphere, and Clemson may play tight in this game and may turn it over some, and it may play into the hands of Florida State, who, again, was playing very well for a lot of the Miami game until the fourth quarter. So let's see if it continues for the Knowles in that one. Once again, smackapparel.com for all of this in-your-face college themes, uh, shirts and apparel. Um, and again, use the promo code 3DOG for 10% off. Wayne, thank you. I always love catching up with you. Good luck with the UCF shirt and the other line of college and pro uh, merchandise that you have at Smack Apparel, sir. All right, Susan. Thank you. Go no. We are back in once more. Our thanks again to our guests there in the middle segment, both Dr. Parekh from the Fantasy Doctors, a great orthopedic surgeon and does a great job, big sports fan, big cowboy fan, as you heard, uh, talking up the uh, the injuries in sports. And also Wayne Curtis, smackapparel.com. And they got, you've got that offer rolling right now, the UCF shirt, 10% off with the promo code 3DOG. In fact, the promo code 3DOG will work on any of these different shirts. Uh, and the, the in-your-face college-themed shirts and merchandise at smackapparel.com. UCF is going to be undefeated for a while, it would look like, at least coming towards the end of their schedule. So let's see where they end up getting ranked. So Kevin Rogers is back with me, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Uh, he's going to tell you more about VegasInsider.com in a few moments. But again, we, we love their insight, the numbers, the math. We've each got an underdog from the pros, the NFL upcoming. But before we get there, you have been chomping at the bit. Let's talk first about kickers missing kicks. And, and I think you're going to point specifically in one instance to the end of the Ravens-Saints game that you want to say something about, right? Well, I mean, it's not about, like, I don't want to totally rip the guy. I mean, you look at, you know, Justin Tucker, who has never missed an extra point in his career, is probably the most reliable kicker going right now in the NFL. And, you know, the Ravens are up 17-7 on the Saints. New Orleans comes back. They score a few touchdowns. They're up seven late. The Ravens go down. It seemed like they had tied the game by scoring a touchdown and needing the extra point. And then he misses the extra point. You're like, my goodness, you know, Mm. and it was a good snap, good hold. My only thing is this, that he he seems like a good guy. Like, I know I've seen him out there before, and, it, you know, he was going to talk to the media afterwards. This is one instance where I'm like, I don't need to hear from him. What's he going to say? I missed the kick. What else, like, what else do you need to hear from him? You know, like, he missed it. That was it. They lost. You know, like, that's the time where I'm like, we don't need to hear from him. Like, what does he have to say? <laughs> Nothing. Right. He had been so automatic, including the regular season and the playoffs, 244 of 244 until he missed out. The image that they had on Fox with those eyes, those huge eyes when that ball started floating right on him, looked like one of my golf shots. No, that's going right. Those are the trees. That's the, that's the, oh, it's out of bounds. What are we doing with that? And, and look, kickers and kicks, I experienced the same thing working the Buccaneers broadcast in the game with the Browns where Chandler Canton zero. Uh, had the chance, Canton Zaro had the chance to win the game in regulation from 40 yards away in the middle of the field, Kevin, and missed the kick at home without the win, missed the kick. The game goes to overtime, and he now kicks a 59-yarder from the right hash that had to hook in a little bit there at the very end. Crazy ending, but you just you don't know with kickers anymore, with, with the reliability of who's going to make it. Well, I will say this, though, and even though it didn't work out in my benefit because I had the Ravens on Sunday, that 
the moving the extra point back, yes. I think has been a has, has been a big help to the NFL. I think because they were so it was so so ridiculous kicking a 19 yard field goal in a sense uh, for all those years. It was just a waste of everyone's time, and and you know you rarely miss the extra point, and now you just have to like go like try for it. Like it really like is something, and I think it's been a good thing for the NFL. It'll make it a little more complicated. I just I just still find it funny though that. What is that? A thirty-something yard extra point? Thirty-seven now, yard. right? It's from the twentieth. Thirty-seven, yeah. Thirty-seven yard extra point is one point, but yet you can get down to the two-yard line, get stuffed, and kick a field goal from twenty yards out. It's three points. It is still the case. Yeah, they still allow that for the uh, for the field goal I, option. I find it funny. I mean, it, yeah, right? It's funny, but it, it, yeah, but I, I will say the rule change I think has definitely benefited the NFL. Well, and and to your point, I did another interview uh, on another podcast for Buccaneers dot com with Martin Gramatica, who was affectionately nicknamed Automatica Gramatica with the Bucks, kicking so many field goals. He kicked over a hundred and thirty field goals in his Buccaneer career. Pro Bowl kicker, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Super Bowl Gruden Bucks of 02. And he said to me, to your point, it's not an extra point anymore. The extra point when I kick, like you said, is a 19-yarder. He goes, the best analogy is a free throw is a free throw in basketball. And nobody is guarding you, and you've got 15 feet, and you take your time and you shoot. And he goes, this is now a live field goal block, like you're talking about, from 37 yards away. He goes, that's not an extra point anymore. He goes, that's a field goal that counts as one point. That was Martin's point, what you're saying. And he said, this is the same thing in basketball as move the guy behind the three-point line with a hand in his face. He goes, that's what you've done. You've made it now a realistic play from farther back. And he goes, that's not an extra point anymore. So I agree with you, though. The NFL needed to do something. They put the drama back in it, and the Ravens cost themselves a game. They may miss the playoffs by a game on a game that didn't go to overtime because they couldn't kick the extra point in that instance. So... Uh, yeah, you have that game. You had other wild finishes. I mentioned the Buccaneer finish uh, that was crazy. How about the How about the Panthers also on the road? Both the NFC South teams trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter on the road. The Panthers down seventeen to nothing on the road in the fourth quarter at Philadelphia. Come back to win that game against the Eagles. So we have seen. Uh, some wild things for sure. And of course, the kicks. Speaking of the kickers, Brett Maher couldn't make the 52 yarder for the Cowboys against the Redskins. You had the Cowboys for Three Dog Thursday purposes, and Maher couldn't make the kick uh, after they backed up five yards for the false snap, for the snap, the, bob, the bobbed head and the moving of the ball, the false start on the center. They move it back five yards. He couldn't make the kick. It's been crazy with all the field. I mean, the field goal drama and the miss kicks everywhere in the NFL. The drama is back in the make or miss kicks now, Kevin. It is, and, and what's funny about the Cowboys? I mean, I I'm not as upset about the miss kick in that Cowboys game. I just think that with them against Washington, I think I had them against Carolina back in Week One. It almost feels like the Cowboys started every drive in both those games to make their own ten yard line. Or 15. Like, you, Dak has got to go all the way down the field, like, every single time, and you have no shot. I don't know what it is, and I don't know what happened in that Jacksonville game where everything just broke right for them, it seemed like. I'm not saying they got lucky, but, like, where the offense was just clicking, where in those other games, like, they're going, like, 75, 80 yards every time. They can barely get down the field. Hey, what do you make? I did ask Dr. Parekh about this. They've acquired Amari Cooper from the Raiders. They have the bye week. He definitely upgrades for their receiving core. How much does he upgrade? How much will he help Dak Prescott and the explosiveness of that offense for Dallas? Real quick. 
I think you, you got to do it. I, I think at times you got to make moves, even if you like have to give up a draft pick, just because your offense isn't doing anything. I mean, Ezekiel is having a good year, but you have no receivers. You got to do something. And if John Gruden's ready to blow the whole thing up and he wants to get a draft pick out of it, go right ahead. But I got to think you you need weapons. Like you need anything. And then my other question is, and we don't really you know divulge into this, but. How bad is Des Bryant? Like, nobody wants him. This was the guy that was number one guy for the Cowboys years ago. No one wants him at all. Like, how much did that guy fall? I, uh, You know, to me, what that one says to me real quick is that he was talking to the Browns, and he's talked to several teams. He apparently wants too much money and wants too much guaranteed money, or he would already be signed. Adrian Peterson swallowed the pride, took the deal from the Redskins. He's playing well. It's got some incentives in it. Uh, there, there are others that in the past, in the last two or three years, that have taken the money, uh, maybe lesser money, because they want to come back and play. The only thing I can figure there, Kevin, is he wants like $5 million, $8 million, $9 million guaranteed and nobody is willing to give that to him and so I, I, I don't know that he's going to play this year at 39 years uh, I'm sorry at 29 years of age he may sit the entire season so that's wild watch the Raiders though bring him back in with Gruden that would be perfect for like prorated you know two million or something the rest of the year because Des can't get a contract somewhere else watch the Raiders do that uh, before it is over. Hey, one more topic, and I promise we're getting to NFL underdog predictions. Kevin's already picked two college underdogs. I've picked two college underdogs. We've each got an NFL underdog pick that is coming up. Uh, the Giants and the Falcons at the end of that game the other night, what in the name of quarterback sneaking was that on the goal line at the end of the game where there was still some time on the clock, and if they could have scored with 30 seconds left, you've got an onside kick, maybe a field goal, what was that, the back-to-back quarterback sneaks that basically killed the whole clock there? Before I get to that, I feel bad for Saquon Barkley. I'll tell you why, and I'll get to the Eli thing in yep. a second. Because he's a quality player, and people, you know, I don't think people are saying, why did they draft Saquon Barkley? They're saying, why did they draft a quarterback? I don't think that they're ripping Saquon per se. I think that if you have the quality quarterback, you get a guy like him. But when you look at it now, my God, they, they blew that one. As far as not getting a Darnold, getting someone to start all over again with, why they're so loyal to Eli. You know what? You go to those quarter. First of all, they had a fourth and goal when Odell was open or at least moderately open. He threw it to the tight end in the middle. and it was, Eli looks lost out there at times. And then you had those plays at the end where they got down the field very quickly. He had a nice throw down the sidelines, Eli. And then they got down the field in, inside the five – why is this 37-year-old who never was really nimble 10 years ago <laughs> trying to run quarterback sneaks with no timeouts left? I get they were down 11, and, and it was almost impossible to win. But that's your best option? You could have given it to Saquon Barkley or even have Eli throw it where it's incomplete, the clock stops? Like, why is he – and it's not even running it up the middle. It's almost like a rugby scrum, him trying to, like, run through there. I don't know what they were – they did that twice. I did not understand that for the life of me. And and people wonder why we're so critical of coaches and play calls because it's stupid. Like, what are they thinking? Yeah, and in, in that instance, you never know. If you can get in the end zone even with 20 seconds left, you can maybe get the onside kick and get into field goal range. You would have had to have a lot of things happen and go right – but they wasted all of their own time with the back-to-back sneaks, and I'm with you. You said it much earlier in Three Dog Thursday. Here you have Tennessee on a one-play, two-point conversion for the win, and they don't have Marcus Mariota using his wheels, and that's what he's known for. And you have the Giants in a must-score situation trying to use Eli Manning's wheels, 
And at times, he's got the mobility of a dump truck, so uh, the agility of a dump truck. So uh, can't get out of the way, can't, can't get anything going forward. So in any event, the Giants lose again. They're having a bad season. And I think your larger point is one they're screaming in New York. Why didn't we get the quarterback of the future sitting right there at number two? We could have taken Sam Darnold after Baker Mayfield. We, we could have taken uh, Josh Allen or Josh Rosen or or even, you know, make a trade with somebody for their quarterback that wanted to take one of their young quarter, you know, want to take one of the year, young quarterbacks at number two, make a trade for them for their existing quarterback that's at least younger than Eli Manning. So we'll see what happens with the Giants. The play calls were definitely head scratchers. All right. So with all of that out of the way, you owe me an underdog to complete three dog Thursday. Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com. Where are you going this week in the NFL? I know this team is undefeated and they're great and chances are I'll probably go fourteen and two just because but I gotta take the Packers against the Rams this week. That the Rams are coming home after three consecutive road games. They got the blowout last week against San Francisco. They should have covered against Denver two weeks ago. The Broncos had a late touchdown to get a backdoor. Seattle game problems, which really shouldn't be that big of a surprise a few weeks ago. And, you know, you look at the Rams who really haven't I mean they've played what three home games so far. They beat Arizona who's terrible. Uh, they also were in a game, in a sense, with the Chargers. Right. And then the Vikings game kind of, you know, was a little back and They forth. were losing we in the that Vikings. game. They were losing in that game for a little while against the Vikings in that score fest. Yeah, and the Vikings were obviously a quality team. That was one win away from the Super Bowl last year. And, and you know, I look at Green Bay, and I'm, I'm not going to go to the, well, Aaron Rodgers, ever been underdog this, I get it. Like, I understand that. But the Packers, too. They had a couple uh, thuds on the road so far this year, losing to Washington and just falling behind Detroit. But I think that win over the 49ers on the Monday night, I think got a little momentum. You know, the Vikings game, they tied. They had that one in the bag before they blew it. And the Chicago game, that was all because Aaron Rodgers was hurt. Like, they're not, that, that game doesn't get to 23 nothing or 20 to nothing with him in the game. So I just think that Green Bay is a little better than people think. They do have the Rams and Patriots backs back on the road, which is brutal. But I mean, can't blame anybody for that. It's just the, the situation. But I think that Green Bay here, I think they can catch the Rams. Uh, you know, I, and the Rams have a really tough road also in the next few weeks. Uh, I think that Green Bay here, getting all these points, I think they have a shot to hang with the Rams. I love this pick. So I'm not going to join in with you like I did last week with the Titans. I'll go ahead and pick another game. But I love this pick. Again, Aaron Rodgers off the bye week here to rest that knee some more. Everybody giving all the love to the Rams. Everybody pointing to that matchup with the Chiefs that's coming in Mexico City on Monday Night Football. Green Bay may very well win this game outright. So I, I love that underdog pick there. Um, again, and again, the Rams lived dangerously at home with the Vikings. They, they were losing in the second half to Seattle at Seattle. I know those are road games. Denver hung in with them. I know they blew out the 49ers last week, but I, Green Bay... I like that one coming off the board. So you took the Packers. Speaking of the Seahawks, they come off the bye week. It's like a bye week theme. You've got the Packers off the bye week. I had Oklahoma State earlier off the bye week. I will take the Seattle Seahawks at Detroit. I know that the Lions look good in the game against Miami. Carry on Johnson, the rookie running back from Auburn, ran it well against the Dolphins. You've got Stafford and his weapons uh, like Golden Tate and Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay at receiver. 
receiver, but Seattle with Russell Wilson had a week to heal up after the impressive win. Then again, it is the Raiders. After the impressive win in London against them, they've had a week to heal up a little more. I think they'll be better um, defensively. They'll find a little bit more of a running game. I'll take the Seahawks to outright win in Detroit. I mean, Pete Carroll's team is an excellent road team. Year in and year out, they proved that by going all the way to London for the neutral site game and playing very impressively. Uh, I like the Seahawks here. So I will take them outright with the Lions and take the three points for my third underdog. Uh, You mentioned that New Orleans-Minnesota game and the rematch of the wild playoff win with the Vikings. That one will be the Sunday night game that's coming up. Monday night has New England against Buffalo. We were talking with Dr. Parekh about Sonny Michelle is going to be out for that game with the injured knee, but he's not going to require knee surgery. Gronkowski likely to play. We're talking midweek here on Three Dog Thursday. He should practice. The Patriots off that crazy finish where the Bears catch the Hail Mary, Kevin, but can't get in the end zone from the one-yard line on the Hail Hail Mary. So uh, you never know with New England. I mean, I know Buffalo's terrible, but it it seems like the Patriots are going to keep both teams in the game. Yeah, and New England's a two-touchdown favor on the road, which is crazy. And, you know, we've seen Buffalo this year. You know, they won at Minnesota, 17-point underdogs. I mean, this is a very tall task with Derek Anderson. No question. finishes the game for Buffalo. It's, it's a very tall task for them. That That's a lot of points to lay on the road. It really well, is. And, and for the Bills, they're the team that took Josh Allen, who's already hurt with the elbow injury. They go to Derek... Uh, uh, Anderson here last week and he was awful in the game with Indianapolis so I, I don't know what other options they have and again that's a Monday night game you can't flex out of the Monday night game with New England uh, up against Buffalo so we'll see what happens uh, in that matchup alright so without any more delay such a great time of the year tell the fans more about all the information the insight the analysis they can find right now and all the time at VegasInsider.com Kevin yeah, October's a great month, October, however you want to call it. And, you know, we have the World Series underway with the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Also, NBA is underway. It's been a, you know, a crazy, you know, week or so of that. Hockey is, you know, nearly a month in as well. College basketball is actually sneaking up on us in about uh, less than two weeks. It's coming up. It's actually a Tuesday. It begins in November, not on a Friday. So, you have that coming up with the 7,000 games uh, in college basketball uh, and, of course, the football with the NFL and college that were, you know, are really coming into a nice stretch run here of a lot of conference games in college and, uh, of course, in the NFL kind of wrapping up this first half of the season. So a lot going on. You can check out all the information, all the picks, all the odds at Vegas Insider and also on our Twitter at TwitVI. Follow this man as well at VI Rogers. Very humorous follow for Kevin Rogers at VI Rogers. Uh, and, and again, I'm going to tout you. I'm going to prop you up. This guy does a fantastic job, not just picking football, but as he mentioned, the NBA, Major League Baseball, etc. We just lean on him for underdogs on Three Dog Thursday. So again, check him out there at Vegas Insider. And once more, here are the underdogs for this week. Kevin going with Tulane against Tulsa, getting the points on the road. The Tennessee Volunteers at South Carolina and then takes the Packers against the Rams. I'll go with Florida to state oh okay 
Okay, enough of that. Uh, you're the Florida State alumni. I'm going with the Knowles this week against uh, Clemson in the game at home. Don't be surprised if they're hanging right in, if not winning this game. They're, this is one of the top games of their season to go along with that Florida rivalry game that's, that's remaining. At home, I'll take Florida State in the 17 points. I like Oklahoma State as a home doggy as well against Texas to, to outright upset the Longhorns with Mike Gundy and company. Um, I know they're off the bye week. Texas had the great win over uh, Oklahoma off their bye week. Let's see what happens with these two teams. And then I'll take the Seahawks, as we just mentioned, in Detroit. Russell Wilson and company getting the three points. I like them on Three Dog Thursday as well. Kevin, we have covered a bunch. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with me here, breaking it all down and giving me some underdogs. Enjoy yet another October weekend of football, sir. Thank you, too, TJ. There is Kevin Rogers. Again, follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. My thanks also to our guest, Dr. Celan Parekh from the Fantasy Doctors. Wayne Curtis, SmackApparel.com. That offer is still there for the UCF shirt, 10% off. The Three Dog code works for 10% off across the board, including that UCF shirt that they're going to be holding up, I'm sure, on College Game Day and elsewhere for the UCF Knights at SmackApparel.com. And that that will uh, be very interesting to watch this weekend with uh, with college game day being at the cocktail party game. We didn't even really talk about Gators in Georgia for this weekend with the Gators, a significant underdog. We'll see how they do. See if Georgia gets back on the winning track after the loss to LSU. In any event, we're done for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks to Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves. Again, we'll talk to you next week with more of the underdogs on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. The whole targeting issue and the Von White issue as it relates to getting suspended for the first half of the game against Alabama. First of all, let me say this on the rule. People can criticize all they want. In large part, I'm in agreement with them. It's not changing, folks. They're not going to allow any head-to-head contact. If you're high and you're close, you're going to get called for it. Where I think there needs to be a distinction is they're, they're making it too black and white, and most of these decisions come fall into a gray area. I think we know when a player is what I would call targeting is when you, and it's hard to, in, in, in many cases, to legislate, you know, knowing what intent is. But you can see it when somebody is clearly trying to, to target somebody. That's what targeting is. I don't think what Devon White did was targeting. It was targeting by the letter of the rule today. But to me, targeting should be when you tried to target and enhance the contact. I think when you have incidental contact or close contact, that should be a 15-yard penalty, but it should not come with a suspension. I think that's over the top. And I think the fact that they can't distinguish between just the contact to the head versus targeting is a problem. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.